The future belongs to those who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. A Canadian, a Welsh, British guy living in the Philippines and an American walk into a contact center. They look at the floor, they see a bunch of employees, they look at each other and they ask, how do we get these guys engaged? That today is our topic for Fireside Chats Without the Fires, and it's going to be a great one. I'm Neil Toth, co-host, co-creator of Fireside Chats Without the Fires. I'm joined by my co-host, co-creator extraordinaire, Paul <laughs> Catherall. Paul, you out there? I am, Neil. How you doing, my friend? What a wonderful introduction. Was that just off the top of your head? Wow. Just off the top of my head. Just off yeah, the top of, my, top of my head, but motivated by our sensational guest <laughs> that I am going to introduce. Drum roll, ladies and gentlemen. Here is the guest star of our show today, the one and only Mike Aoki. Mike, please, please correct me. I pronounced it correctly, correct? Didn't I? Please. You did. You said it perfectly. I like that. Mike Aoki. <laughs> Mike Aoki. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Aoki is with us in the flesh. We're looking at him. If you have video and you're seeing it, we get to see him. He gets to see us. This is a privilege for us because Mike, if you look and follow and pay attention to the rankings, to the awards, to, to content, to LinkedIn, to Twitter. You cannot run, you cannot be on Twitter or LinkedIn in the contact center and customer care world without knowing or seeing or reading or hearing or tweeting with Mike Aoki. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Neil and Paul. I'm glad to be on. Looking forward to this conversation as well. Awesome. It's great to have you. So we're going to talk about something that um, is close to Mike's uh, heart, I think, and his mind, it's, it's top of mind, certainly for him, I think for many of us. The topic is employee engagement 2.0. I'm not gonna use the word COVID, I'm not gonna use the word work from home, but certainly we will get into that. That's, those are the things that are motivating mm -hmm. because our contact center and customer care worlds obviously changed. How do we keep our employees engaged? Mike, lead this off kick it off. Tell us what Employee Engagement 2.0 is all about. Well, great question, Neil. And it's, it's really all about being able to engage employees when you're in a work from home or hybrid environment, partly on site, partly work from home. And I think one of the biggest challenges is that, you know, it, it's funny, we spend so much time in terms of being able to look at how we can provide better customer experience to our customers. But of course, it's the employee experience. What are they experiencing? And they've gone through a massive shift as we all have in this industry in the last six months. It's been pretty crazy, you know, and having to suddenly shift to, you know, having so many agents all are part of the workforce working from home now. And, and sure, the first wave of this was the technical side of it, getting laptops, right? Getting VPNs, getting people set up at home. Now though, how do you keep them engaged when they're at home? Okay, some contact centers are bringing people back on site, but a lot of this, the blended environment or the all work from home environment, it's gonna be the new normal. And so now we have to work on not just, you know, how do we actually equip those agents in terms of technical things? How do we equip them though in terms of engagement? All right, how do we equip our team leads and QA coaches to be able to help engage those work from home agents more effectively? Because we wanna keep people involved, all right? The way you treat your frontline, great Richard Branson quote, you know, how you treat your employees is how they'll treat their customers. So that's so critical. Certainly. So by the way, I skipped an important part. We should have asked you to tell us quickly about your work. You know, if, if you're not already following Mike on LinkedIn, follow him. Same thing on Twitter. Um, there's some great stuff here. What your LinkedIn says, if you if those are that don't have it open like I do, 
You're the president of Reflective Keynotes, Inc. And you've been doing this forever, man. April 2001 to the present, 19 years and five months of LinkedIn's algorithm calculated this thing correctly. By the way, you're in a place called Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. It is, yeah. It's just west of Toronto. So it's like a little suburb outside of Toronto. Was that next to Mississippi? What, Mississauga? <laughs> got one of those also. <laughs> Love it, Mississauga. I, I, honestly, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm showing my ignorance here. I, I didn't know where that was and I hadn't heard of it, but that, this is wonderful to have you. Uh, just give us a quick thing about what Reflective Keynotes does and kind of tie it into, you know, employee engagement and your work at, uh, in this field. Well, sure, definitely. I mean, it, you know, Reflective Keynotes, my company, it's really focused on helping to go and train people on sales and customer service skills. So again, there's that skills component, right? What do you say? What do you do? What do you write when you're engaged with a customer? But there's also in the training itself, though, and whether I, I run the training sessions, a huge element of engagement as well. So I'm a big believer, whether you're a trainer, whether you're a team lead, whether you're a QA coach or manager, you've got to engage people. You know, that are there so what, are you, what, what are you seeing out there? You know, companies now have this whole thing with COVID. Uh, it, it, you know, struggles with supply chain, uh, struggles probably in figuring out how to market to people. Uh, customers' uh, consumption patterns may have drastically altered in the last bunches of months. We, we are certainly in this new world. But what does that mean for companies that need to hire and train frontline and second line, you know, managerial staff, supervisors, leaders uh, that are in charge of those front lines and employees. What does this all mean for all these people? Well, I think one of the biggest things that it means is in terms of just being able to go and help onboard that staff. So just trying to find really good people that are very customer focused, that really are able to go and grasp so much. And, and you know, one of the key things I think that we have to clear up, and I, I know, you know, Neil, you know, Paul, we all three of us have been in this industry for a while, is the fact that we live in a little bit of a bubble when it comes to, you know, the contact center industry. What we don't realize, though, is how some people perceive it on the outside of that bubble in terms of being able to get people to, to come work for contact centers. Because unfortunately, there's still a mindset from people from even a decade ago to kind of lock into that, you know, 2010s mindset or 20, 2000 era mindset of it's an entry level job. It's an unskilled job, okay? It's a very low paying job. It's, it's one that people go and leave very quickly or you just do it for a while till you get something better. The problem is if that's what other people think that's what the job is, that's what will attract. And what people are missing is the fact that, and we know from the inside is, whoa, it's a much tougher job now than it was even five years ago, okay? And think about it this way, when you're looking at recruitment, Okay, and you're trying to recruit people that are very technically savvy, who can operate the CRM system, who can operate, you know, all the, who, can, who can balance dual screens, okay, and dual monitors in front of them with like 15 applications open and multitask between them all, who can type fast enough, speak well enough, listen well enough, okay, have the emotional intelligence to be able to go in and deal with different ranges of customers, different demographics from teenagers, child, you know, all the way through to seniors, okay, tech savvy or not, you're looking for an incredible skill set. And then think about the, the curve of training and learning. Training is a passion of mine, of course, so I'll say it. But it takes what tra- onboarding courses could be anywhere from you know two weeks to six months or six weeks. And then typically six months to get somebody up to speed, a year to even gain, get anywhere close to being really good at their job. Okay, it takes time to ramp them up. Well, you yeah. mentioned something about recruiting, you made me think. Sure. Recruiting has changed. Like, you know, mm-hmm. here, here in the States, I think a lot of companies put a job on indeed.com or. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some reviews in Glassdoor and those kinds of sites. Right. Like mm-hmm. the recruiting game has changed as well. Or, mm-hmm. Is that part of kind of the solution that companies need to understand to better to attract better talent? 
Well, it is. I mean, one of the things when it comes to recruitment is, again, being able to have your job posting reflect the true nature of the job, the fact that you are asking for higher level skills. The problem is when you put a title of contact center agent or customer service rep at the top of that resume or, or that uh, job posting is that a lot of people quickly look at that and think that's not for me or, oh, it's, it's not my environment, or there's no future in doing that, versus the reality of what can happen in terms of people you know, moving up in a company or an organization. I know when I spoke at a conference just recently, I asked the question of the audience of how many of you, and this is, this is context center VPs and directors, how many of you began as agents? Almost everyone in the room put their hand up. Okay, running the contact center to VP or, or director level, it's not something that you can actually fall in from, you know, transfer from marketing or sales and suddenly do, you work your way up right? Agent TL, manager, senior manager, director, et cetera, you grow internally. And there are opportunities in there for people to move up from agent to team lead, QA coach, et cetera, or go into training. So it's really having the recruitment part of it reflect the reality and overcome some of the misconceptions of people out there, candidates you might attract, misconceptions that they have in terms of the job. Let's go back to engagement. So what is the new engagement? So, right, we got to create career pathing for the agents. We have to make them feel that this is a longer term job. This is not just uh, until they find the next best thing that pays 25 cents additional per hour more. Like, how do you get employees to feel more engaged? And as the employer, how do you engage your employees better? I mean, I think our audience was probably looking for some quick wins, you know, top three bullet points where they want to takeaways because Mike said this and they're going to actually do this stuff. What, what, what are those things that, that you can tell them? Well, I think one of the biggest challenges, especially the, one of the newest challenges is with work from home agents or blended workforces is build the engagement all throughout the onboarding process. Because right now there's a huge vulnerability when you have people who have been hired virtually. I mean, think about it this way. In the last six months, people have been conducting interviews via Zoom, right? And then hiring them, bringing them in for virtual training, all everything online. And I've seen cases where agents literally have not even seen the office or seen the call center at all, the contact center. And so it's all remote. And, and the challenge with that is... So much of what was built before in terms of onboarding new hire courses, even being online in terms of taking calls or, or, or doing chat has all been based around having somebody in the same room with you, the same office building with you. So you have that kind of sort of drive by, you know, uh, coaching conversations, you see them in the lunchroom, you know, et cetera. You've got a little bit of, of, of basically a social chit chat going on there and some integration going on there. The challenge now is all that disappears. There's no more walk by, hey, how was your weekend? Or, hey, you know, hope you have a great weekend coming up. None of that at all now. Now, managers, team leads, trainers, HR departments, you have to build it in consciously. So water think about it this talk. way. I'm sorry, was that Neil? Water cooler talk. I think well, that's some people. Cool. Exactly. And now where it used to happen organically in the office, now you have to build it in deliberately because you may have somebody who's worked from home who never will come to the office. You won't even see them. Okay. But you somehow have to make them feel a part of your team and also instill that corporate culture. And also have the idea too, that when you think about it this way, if you've got a work from home agent as your TL, as your team leader, right? Or the QA coach or manager, you're their lifeline to the office. Because they don't see anybody else at the office. They see you, maybe they see some other faces on a Zoom you know, team meeting call or whatever, but that's all. So you gotta deliberately build it. So think to yourself now, how can you deliberately build in those contacts? Schedule short little, you know, 10 minute a day, you know, one-on-ones with, with each one of your agents. You know, look at it that way. If you're if you're doing the onboarding piece of this, touch base not just in terms of the content of what you're training them on, but also how are they engaged? How are they enjoying the course? How do they feel about working for your company now? Okay, it puts a lot more onus on trainers, team leads, QA coaches to do the the engagement aspect of it, and a lot of them aren't trained for that, and and that's the real challenge there. So the key is to start to train them in terms of the skills and techniques to be able to build that engagement. 
So pre-COVID, pre-work from home, uh, we talked about this last week and, and, and some previous weeks, some pre- earlier guests on, on the podcast. You mean the ping pong table isn't cutting it anymore? The pizza party? <laughs> the whatever, the bowling outing? Like, you mm-hmm. know, those things are taken away from us. We don't have the luxury of of congregating around the ping pong table and having a, a volley, you know, during, during, during our breaks. So what is it? it it's simple zoom sessions. It's a, it's a, it's a five minute uh, zoom and virtual happy hour. Like, you know, what is it? What do you see? Cause, cause by the way, I have most of my team is virtual. Paul's team, I think is mostly virtual. Yeah. Right. Paul, Paul these well, are things that keep you, you and I up at night. Like what's yeah. going on? Mm-hmm behind those phone calls and those chats, like who, what are the people doing? Like, how do they feel? Are they happy? Right? Yeah, it it does. And there's so I've got so many questions for Mike, so I won't go down my, my rabbit hole because that'll just bore everybody. Um, (laughs) But I, I, I do have two. So my first one is when I was a manager, right? Not, not that long ago, although my hair wasn't as gray as it is now. um, I knew that one, I was never the best coach. I was never the best kind of sit down, side by side person and kind of walk them and talk them through what they should and what they shouldn't be saying but i knew that i could build that relationship with the person get to know them as as an individual get to know what their hopes and fears were and then i hate saying the phrase because it sounds like a condom but then leverage that to get the most out of them rather than sit down and go through a one-on-one coaching right i think now i would struggle in this environment because you're taken away my biggest skill set of literally sitting down with somebody and getting to know them. So I guess if, if I was your leader, how would you go about helping me overcome that? Or would you go, do you know what, Paul, there's, there's the door. You're not right now because of the change. You're not the right type of person for, for this environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, Paul, it's a really good question too. And, and, you know, the good news is this though, you're focused on the right thing, which is relationship building. Because at its heart with engagement, it's relationship building. Okay. And the thing about this is you want the people that you're supporting. And that's how I view being a leader is supporting your line, supporting your people. You want them to feel supported. You want them to feel a sense of connection. And the fact that you care about them as a person first before caring about them in terms of, of, you know, the role that they're playing. And that's the real key in building that kind of engagement. So the tool, what I'd say to it, to, to yourself, to anybody who's in the situation as a TL or manager is, you know, what you what your intention is, which is to build relationships, support your people, train them, and coach them on skills, that still applies. The only thing that changes is tech is the technique. The analogy okay. I use, and I know Paul, you'll appreciate that being in the UK right now, is <laughs> it's like driving a car. You know, okay. and here in North America, Canada, we drive on the right hand side of the road. Stream was on the left hand side of the vehicle. Of course, <laughs> in the UK, it's the exact opposite. Okay, in doing that, but the driving skills are still the same. It's just a bit of an adjustment now. Right to having the steering wheel on the other side of the car and, and driving the left hand side of the road. Same thing when it comes to this. If you're a good coach, if you're a good leader for your on-site team, you can be that as well for your for your remote team. Just a little bit of skills adjustment in that. Okay. Perfect. Part of this too, and I know, and, and Neil, back to your point, just to tie both of what you said together is, we focus a lot on the ping pong tables, pizza parties, etc. On-site, those are nice to have. They're really good to be able to help build, you know, engagement and camaraderie in the office itself. But even more than doing those kinds of things is the real deeper engagement on-site or remote is, do they do people feel cared about? Do they feel listened to? Okay, you mentioned career path and career go, uh, growth. There's also two that are they listened to? Yeah. Okay, example I'll give you is one that I remember as an agent myself many years ago, I know, but as an agent myself, which was, you know, we knew as frontline agents that there was a part of our uh, invoice 
that would every every time we run an invoice, there's a little statement that would always generate phone calls. And it wasn't necessary. It could easily have been rewritten. We, you know, forwarded that repeatedly and our managers and, and, and director did as well. But in four years that I was in that contact center, it was never updated. It was just a wording change and it generated unnecessary phone calls. And we grew frustrated, quite frankly, because we weren't being listened to. You know, we could have saved like a huge number of calls, which, is, which means money by doing that. So part of it also is not just a voice of the customer program, but a voice of the agent or voice of the employee program. Okay. And having that mechanism. And again, you now, this is remote. You now have to make it deliberate. This isn't putting everybody in a meeting room on site and going, who's got an idea. Okay. It's much tougher to do it virtually via zoom, go to meeting, whatever you're using, because when you say, as you know, to, to a group of 15 faces on a screen, you know, does anybody have an idea? No one says anything. Okay. The good news is this though. There are collaboration tools that are out there. So different software packages that are out there that will enable you to be able to help elicit things from people. And especially when you deal with millennial, younger millennials, especially and Gen Z, they're much more apt to want to text the right things. I mean, think about, again, you're, Paul, you've got a teenage daughter, okay? Yeah. <laughs> their phone texting all, they don't even phone anymore. They just text everybody. <laughs> so, so whatever platform that you're using for your meetings and collaboration, if you've got that feature, being able to let people text, let people go and work on a virtual whiteboard and invite them to do it simultaneously versus singling somebody out to speak on camera, okay, in front of everyone, you'll get better engagement. So that's an example of one of those to-do takeaways is, you know, to go and do that to, to get millennials and Gen Z engaged. Perfect. Neil, if it's okay, I do have one question for Mike. Thank you. So, Mike, I'm a client. I'm, I'm fortunate to be in a, in a client position, right? But what I'm always from a client perspective, I'm always keen to know how does an outsourcer, so for example, Neil, how does Callzilla share my brand values with their frontline agents, right? Which is basically a part of the onboarding and the whole employee engagement experience right so if you've got like neil was saying uh, if you've got maybe two or three really quick fire tips where somebody in neil's position would be able to implement that and then share kind of the client values with the frontline agent does that make sense well yeah, it does i think the advice i'd give you know is a real in terms of, of looking at having your team at the outsourcer be able to go and work very closely with the onboarding team hr training and, and the ops center to really be able to go and look at what are those key values so ask them in terms of what are your key calls? If you, as, the, as, the, as a client, do you have an example of that quote unquote perfect call? And not just technically perfect, but the feel that you want customers to have. So in terms of looking at micro data examples like key call recordings, you know, key chats or text messages, et cetera, to put that in the training for the, the BPO staff, but also look in terms of, you know, what are some of the things that customers are saying about you? So again, going back to the client to say, what are your, you know, what are your CSAT uh, you know, scores? What are your customer satisfaction quotes verbatims from customers? And again, try to transplant that as well. And then work together to think about, now how do you instill this though in the BPO staff? Okay, is it, is it a dedicated account, dedicated agents that are always working in that? Or are they multitasking between yeah. you know, different clients? Every call is a different client. Focus on in terms of, again, how can you instill that culture? And then really boil it down and have routine touch points as well. Not just talking about KPIs, but also looking in terms of culture. Okay, is a CSAT from from the client side, client agents matching that of the BPO agents? Okay, is there, are you going to parallel that in terms of? And again, not just the, the CSAT scores, but also the verbatims as well. You don't want to be I, I you know customers that call one place get a warmer experience than calling the other place. You exactly. got to balance that out in some way. Exactly. Just a couple of calibration things like that might help. I know we're pressed for time. The other thing we'll say is, as a trainer, is really integrate that training. Okay, really look at, again, as a trainer, we're so tempted to go and train skills, but you gotta train attitude. 
You got to train culture. Okay. So put in those stories that customers say, okay, possibly even have things where, you know, one of your best agents from the client side comes in to go and just talk briefly to the folks on the, on the BPO side about what they experience and why they help customers so much because you want to be seamless to a customer. I know Neil, you probably have some thoughts on that as well, but. Man, I have so many thoughts. There's so many great things that have emerged. Nug true nuggets of wisdom wonderful. that have come out of here. So yeah. I found this and I, and I kind of just made a note of it. I happen to have it open in front of my computer and I was really going to use it for something else, but I opened it back up as I'm listening to you, Mike and, and, and Paul in this dialogue. And it, it is this quote by Simon Sinek, the true value of a leader is not measured by the work they do. A leader's true value is measured by the work they inspire others to do. Good. That resonates, I think, yeah. with this conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it doesn't matter if Paul has these amazing skills, he's a leader. He used to, he, he believed that he was able to physically in the same physical space share, get close, dialogue, um, interact, discuss, just some simple tweaks. Mm -hmm. And those same skills are portable. That's what I've taken away from this. It is possible to replicate and even enhance what we once had in the physical space into now our new virtual world. Well, it is, Neil. Just to build on what you said, just something as simple as having training your agents, or sorry, training your team leaders and coaches on how to be able to go and build warmth and engagement over Zoom or over a video call. And just, just really give you two quick techniques right here, okay? One of them is eye contact. So again, face-to-face, -face, eye contact is a huge measure of relationship and sincerity. The key is this way. If you look at team leaders giving you know giving one-on-one -on -one coaching via Zoom, it's train your team leads to go and look into the camera, okay? It's like the old trick when it comes to TV. You look into the camera and actually look through that camera lens, pretending that's the other person's eyes, all right? And the temptation, of course, as a team leader is you're going to look down at your coaching notes, on a piece of paper, look down at the notes, say some things and not look up at all. Or you look up and you look at their, your agent's picture on the center of your screen, which is down here in the center of the screen, as opposed to making eye contact to look up. Yeah. And it is a skill, okay? I, I've had to do it myself to train myself now to always look up at the camera, notice people's reactions in the corner of my eye, but look at them when, when I'm engaged with them because that shows the sincerity. And just a little tip like that, you know, is really huge. Or another second tip I'll give you as well, a quick one is, use more hand gestures. Standing face-to-face, -face, even a table face-to-face, -face, we'll tend to talk more with our hands, all right? And yet when you do a video conference, it's really tempting to go and simply look at the camera with your hands down at the sides or maybe on your keyboard, you know, typing something, but not doing that all. So now all of a sudden you're a talking head and that's yeah. all there is, okay? So just wow. again, team leads to go and use some hand gestures in the frame of the camera, okay? So a call that's that good, for instance, we're gonna work on one key thing. Okay, just hand gestures like that. And, and for those of you in the podcast, I'm actually holding my hand up now, okay, in the actual frame of the webcam itself, all right? Or just, just things like that, hearing something and holding your hand by your ear, okay? So again, those visual clues are so important. And it's a skill because the first time you do it, it's gonna feel really weird and really awkward, okay? And if anybody's looking at you, if you're working from home yourself as a team leader, a QA coach, and they see you, they'll go, why is, why is Mike gesturing like that? Why is he doing that? <laughs> the funny thing is though, for the person at the other end of you know working from their own living room, seeing this on their computer screen, it actually looks really engaging and really natural. It shows animation, okay? I think it shows uh, presence, right? I mean, it, it exactly. makes the other person feel like you're present. And even if you're mm -hmm. looking through them, and even mm -hmm. if you out of one the corner of your eye, you're looking at Facebook over here, 
the mere effort of trying to make the eye contact and mm -hmm. gesticulate as if you were next to the person. I think you're right. It gives it that impression mm -hmm. of being it's, present. It's, it's being authentic as well, right? And it's showing that you're actually engaged rather than just, oh, I'm on a Zoom call, right? That's, that's the bit I like. That's the bit I like. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a couple. See, of audience, we, we told you, audience, you were going to get some nuggets out of this one, and Mike did not let us down. It smashed it, man. This, this is this is sensational, <laughs> Mike. Let's roll into the last third of the podcast, if we can. Um, we have the three points that we always love to wrap up with. The first one is MythBuster. Here's your opportunity. You've built us up. You've shared knowledge. You have constructed. Here's your opportunity to tear something down, bust a myth for us that's out there in the CX world. I think one of the biggest myths, and I, I mentioned this just early at the top of the show, is the idea that call center agents, contact center agents, it's a very entry level, very basic, you know, low skill position. When the reality is, if you were to write that job description properly and said to somebody, I need somebody who is, you know, uh, great at being able to go master product knowledge quickly and who can adjust really quickly to new product changes and policy changes. Somebody who's actually got terrific emotional intelligence. You can talk to people from you know, 14 to, to 80 and engage with them over the phone or via chat. Somebody who can multitask across all these different computer screens, 15 apps that are open right now. Somebody who's able to go on and type at a very fast rate of, uh, of, of typing skill and also be able to go and listen and talk effectively and communicate not just skills and information, but also engage emotionally with the customer and you want them to be able to go and do this, you know, 80, 100 calls a day or, you know, a couple hundred uh, live chats or, or text per day, every day for several years, okay? And then hopefully progress to a point where they can become a manager, a leader, a QA coach, whatever that is for them in their career. You'd look at that and think, wow, that's a lot of skill. That's not an entry-level job. That's actually a lot of skill. And furthermore, I know Neil, you and I chatted about this before the podcast was with the impact now of chatbots, artificial intelligence chatbots, and they're getting better and better. And also mobility apps, smartphone apps that provide customer experience and customer service. All those menial things, all those sort of, I shouldn't say menial, but all those sort of basic interactions, like what time does your Denver store open? Or how, how you know, what I, I'm trying to go and order something online, but I'm having stuck in a certain part of, the, of your shopping cart. That's the same question every time, and it can be fixed very easily. Those kinds of questions are going to go away because your automated systems will take care of that and your agents will be really focused on higher value, more emotionally complex interactions now. And you need a higher skill level for that. So the biggest thing is, first of all, how do you recruit for that higher level? And then how do you train them to get even better? And then when you've made that investment in them, how do you keep them around? Because you don't want 30% attrition when it comes to high value, possibly higher paid agents that you want to stick around. You did something that oftentimes does not happen. I am not going to debate you on this one. You shut me up because you are right. This is a myth buster that is 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 worth busting. I think you're absolutely, absolutely. right. I really do. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. Well done. Tell us. Give us a CX quote. Something top of mind that you like that resonates with you. Whether you saw it on LinkedIn, it was passed down by a family member, a colleague, a client, a customer. Get, share, share some knowledge with us in the CX world in terms of a quote. Well, I think one of my favorite quotes is the way you treat your employees is the way they'll treat their customers. And that, of course, is Richard Branson, Virgin Airlines, right? But it, it really is true, though. And, and when you think about this, you know, it's, it's how, again, getting back to engagement, right, and relationship building with your employees, how do you, how do you treat them well? What's, what shows is treat, being treated well? You know, I'll, I'll give you another quick tip with this is, you know, if you take a look in terms of, you mentioned the sort of in-office pizza parties, ping pong table, et cetera. Well, you know, in the second half of this year now, we're going to come up to holiday season pretty soon. Right. Typically have your office, you know, parties, things like that. How do you replicate that in terms of work from home? So, you know, an example of treating your employees well is, you know, maybe you arrange to go and order pizza 
and have pizza delivered or use a service like Uber Eats and have a meal delivered to your staff, to your people at home and have that, you know, everybody basically log on, have the meal and then log on, you know, Zoom party call at the same time and have that be your, your customer, you know, customer service banquet. So again, being able to look in terms of what creative things can you do? You can't, you can't do pizza in the office anymore. Maybe just order pizza. It's pretty inexpensive to have, you know, a, a whatever, medium pizza delivered to everybody's house, you know, once. Just to, again, have that communal experience and help build that engagement as well. So it's really treating your employees well. That's key. Love it. Love it. This is, again, just that you can do many or, or, or all of the same things. You just have to make a slight adjustments. Exactly. Slight adjustments. And the key is deliberateness. Build yeah, that in. Intentional, deliberate, mm -hmm. on purpose. I love it. All right. This takes us to the final item of the podcast. Your CX hero. I, I'm really looking forward to this one. This one or ones. Who are who is or are your CX hero or heroes? Well, I think, you know, I'll mention a couple uh, in terms of doing this. One of the favorite people I like is Susan Hash. And Susan Hash is the editor of Contact Center Pipeline Magazine, one of the industry standards, of course, you know, in the contact center industry. And I've been a writer for them now for the past 10 years. And what I really you know, love about working with her is that she's so knowledgeable about the industry and so great as, as a writer herself, but also as an editor, being able to go and really bring out the best in her writers and, and there because she directly writes to really get information across. And I'll tell you when it comes to this, it, it's a great magazine because it gives you so much information in the industry and you get to hear about the latest trends and newest techniques. And it just it's it just a great resource. And Susan does such a great job with that one. So that's one person I want to give a shout out to. The other one is going to be a more of a personal one, which is Sangeeta Batnagar, or Batnagar, and she's the chair of GTAC, the Greater Toronto Area Contact Centre Association. I'm based out of Toronto, Canada. But what I love about her is that, again, huge influencer on social media and writes you know, a lot of articles, but really focuses on lifting people up in the industry. So she's a terrific recruiter and, and you know, has an extensive network, so she's really great at being able to help lift people up in terms of being able to go and share experiences, latest techniques, and also be able to help people network with each other as well. So a couple of big shout outs right there. That's great. You know, the role of the industry association or networking group has always been important, but I think it's even more important now because we can't go to the event, we can't go to the happy hour, we can't go to the, the place. And so these virtual events, the, the content, the networking opportunities just to get together on Zoom or on Google Hangouts or whatever it is, it's really important in our in our space. Well, you know, it really is, Neil. And I don't know if you found this, and Paul as well, but I find our industry is changing faster and faster, right? Every year, it seems it speeds up with change. And you look, mm -hmm. even the last six months have been crazy, right? We've been talking about digital transformation for five years now, and people did it in five months thanks to COVID nineteen. <laughs> you know, it, it just changed. And so, the the value of associations and publications is to help us stay up to speed. And one initiative I'll just share with you right now is, and I love this, it, what's happened is just, just recently, a lot of the major U.S. contact center associations, as well as GTAC, the Toronto one in Canada, they've worked together to put on joint events and also refer speakers to each other as well. So I, I love the fact that across North America, all these associations are really working together to help help everybody kind of, again, keep pace with a rapid rate of change. So just wonderful seeing that teamwork you know, take place. Well, the wonderful thing here is what you brought to this podcast. Today's episode was sensational. Yeah. You dropped specific nuggets. We talked in general, we talked theoretical, but we then got into specifics. And I think that our audience really is gonna benefit with the uh, concepts you left with us. I love this this session today. This, is, this was truly outstanding. Promise us one thing, Mike, that you okay. will come back. You will talk about other stuff, whether it's part of it, employee mm -hmm. engagement, part of training, or the other crystal ball in our industry. We got to have you back on. 
I would love to be back. Thank you, Mark and Paul, for having me on your show. And I, I would definitely welcome coming back to talk about I, some other things. I, we can go on better. I think we can do on with Becky, Andrew, and Mike, all about employee and customer engagement. There's one for you. I'll, t I'll take that away. <laughs> Paul's going to run with that one. You got to, yeah. We, so for our audience purposes, uh, we, we've only, we've done the one guest format where we get to pepper the guests with questions and the, the, the guest gets to, to, to drop knowledge on us. The multi-guest format, I think, is, mm. is, is in our future. That's our crystal ball. And you got to come back definitely and be, be a part of that. I'd love to, Neil. Thank you. Thanks so Super. much, Mike. Mike. It was amazing to have you. Thank you. Audience, follow Mike. Check him out on Twitter. Check him out on LinkedIn. What is your Twitter handle, Mike, if you could remind the audience? Uh, sure, it's actually my name. Yet. Yeah, it's actually my name. Eight letters. So Mike, M-I-K-E. My last name, Aoki. A little bit tricky, but it's A-O-K-I. So eight letters, Mike, Aoki. A-O-K-I at the end. Perfect. Beautiful. Mike, you're a sensational guest. Loved having you. Happy weekend to you. We look forward to having you back on. Thank you so much for joining us. Great. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Paul. I Thanks, appreciate Mike. it. This has been another episode of Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Follow Neil and Paul on Twitter at Neil Toff and at PaulCat72. Podcast feedback and topic suggestions are always welcome. Thank you for listening.